0: CHAPTER SEVEN OF THE OPAL SERPENT BY FERGUS HUME. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. A TERRIBLE NIGHT. GO BACK, GO BACK, MY PRECIOUS, CRIED DEBORAH, HER FIRST THOUGHT BEING HOW TO SPARE SYLVIA THE SIGHT. BUT THE GIRL, REMEMBERING THAT AGONIZED CRY WHICH HAD AWAKENED HER, FAINT AND FAR AWAY AS IT SOUNDED, PUSHED PAST THE SERVANT AND RAN INTO THE MIDDLE OF THE SHOP, THE LAMP held high by deborah over her head cast a bright circle of light on the floor and in the middle of this sylvia saw her father breathing heavily his hands were bound behind his back in a painful way his feet were tightly fastened and his head seemed to be attached to the floor at least when the body as it seemed from its stillness suddenly writhed it rolled to one side but the head remained almost motionless the two women hung back clutching each other's hands and were almost too horrified to move at the sight look look cried sylvia gasping the mouth deborah looked and gave a moan aaron's mouth was rigidly closed under a glittering jewel deborah bent down still moaning so great did the horror of the thing paralyze her speech and saw the lights flash back from the many diamonds she saw bluish gleams and then a red sparkle like the ray of the setting sun it was the opal serpent brooch and aaron's lips were fastened together with the stout pin on his mouth and across his agonized face in which the one eye gleamed with terrific meaning the jeweled serpent seemed to writhe oh poor soul cried deborah falling on her knees with the lamp still held above her head. Sylvia, see? The girl gasped again, and impulsively knelt also, trying with nerveless fingers to unfasten the cruel pin which sealed the man's lips. He still lived, for they heard him breathing and saw the gleaming eye, but even as they looked, the face grew black, the eyes opened and closed convulsively. Deborah set down the lamp and tried to raise the head she could not lift it from the floor then the bound feet swung in the air and fell again with a dull thud the eye remained wide open staring in a glassy manner the breathing had stopped and the body was motionless he's dead said deborah leaping to her feet and catching away the girl help help her loud voice rang fiercely through the empty shop and echoed round and round but there came no answering cry not a sound could be heard in the street on the bare floor was the lamp shining on that dreadful sight the body with sealed lips and the glittering jewel and leaning against the wall were the two women deborah staring at her dead master but with sylvia's eyes pressed against her bosom so that she might not witness the horror and the stillness deepened weirdly every moment sylvia tried to move her head but deborah pressed it closer to her breast don't my pretty don't she whispered harshly i must i-the girl freed her head from those kind arms with a wrench and looked at the gruesome sight she staggered forward a few steps and then fell back deborah received her in her arms and thankful that sylvia had fainted carried her up the stairs to lay the unconscious girl on her own bed then she descended rapidly locked the door leading from the shop to the stairs and again looked at the body the time she had been away was about seven or eight minutes and the body still remained with the one open eye staring meaninglessly at the ceiling deborah drawn by fascination like a bird by a serpent crept forward and touched the head it moved and she again tried to lift it this time she found she could do so the head she lifted against her breast and then laid it down with horror when she found the bosom of her nightgown was stained with blood pulling her wits together for she felt that she needed them every one she examined the head and neck to her horror she found round the throat a strong thin copper wire which disappeared through a hole in the floor apparently this had been pulled so tightly as to keep the head down and to choke the old man, and so cruelly as to cut deeply into the flesh. With a moan of horror, Deborah dropped the head and ran to the trap-door in the corner. If anywhere, those who had murdered Aaron Norman were lurking in the cellar. But the trap-door would not open, and then she remembered that it was closed by a bolt underneath. She could not reach the midnight assassin that way. The front door, she gasped, and ran to unbolt it the bolts were easily removed but the door was also locked and aaron usually had the key deposited nightly in the cellar by bart repugnant as it was for her to approach the dead body deborah again went forward and felt in the pockets and loose clothing the man was completely dressed even to an overcoat which he wore but she could not find the key and wondered what she was to do probably the key had been hung up in the cellar as usual necessity being the mother of invention she remembered that the window glass was fragile and she ran up in the hope of breaking through but the stout shutters were up so deborah found that she was sealed in the house almost in a state of distraction for by this time her nerve had given way she unlocked the door to the stairs and ran up three steps at a time to the sitting-room here she opened the window and scrambled out onto the ledge among Sylvia's flower-pots. Just as she was wondering how she could get down, the measured tread of a policeman was heard, and by craning her neck, Deborah saw him coming leisurely along the street, swinging his dark lantern on the windows and doors. It was a moonlight night, and the street was extraordinarily well-lighted as the moon shone straightly between the houses. Gathering her strength for a last effort, deborah yelled as only she could yell, and saw the startled officer spinning round, looking up and down and sideways to see where the shrieks came from. Up, up, oh, look up, you fool screamed deborah. Murder, oh, murder. Burst in the door. Call the police, drat you. Help, help. By this time she was the centre of a circle of bright light, for the policeman had located her, and his lantern was flashing on her white nightgown as she clung to the window-sill. "'What are you making that noise for?' called up the officer gruffly. "'Murder, you fool!' screamed Deborah. "'Masters murdered. Number 45. The door's locked. Break it open. Police! Police!' Before she finished the sentence, the officer blew his whistle shrilly and ran to the door of the shop, against which he placed his shoulder. Deborah climbed in again by the window and ran down again but even then in her excitement and horror she did not forget to lock the door leading to the stairs so that sylvia might not be disturbed as she descended she flung a thick shawl over her shoulders which she had caught up when leaving her room though for the rest she had nothing on but a nightgown but the poor woman was too terrified to be troubled by any scruples at the moment and reached the shop to hear heavy blows on the door between the thuds deborah could hear footsteps running inward from every quarter i ain't got the key she shrieked through the keyhole break in the door drat you murder murder from the noise she made those without concluded that some terrible crime was taking place within and redoubled their efforts deborah had just time to leap back after a final scream when the door fell flat on the floor and three policemen sprang into the room with drawn batons and their lights flashing like stars the lamp was still on the floor shedding its heavy yellow light on the corpse master gasped deborah pointing a shaking finger dead the the cellar the and here she made has to drop a policeman caught her in his arms but the woman shook herself free I shan't faint, no, I shan't faint, she gasped. The cellar, look, look. She ran forward and raised the head of the dead man. When the officers saw the dangling slack wire disappearing through a hole in the floor, they grasped the situation. The passage outside, cried Deborah, directing operations. The trap door, she ran to it, fast bolted below, and them murdering people are there. How many are there, asked the policeman while several officers ran round the back through the side passage oh you dratted fool how should i know cried deborah fiercely there may be one and there may be twenty go and catch them you're paid for it send to number twenty park street bloomsbury for bart who is bart go and fetch him cried deborah furious at this delay number twenty park street bloomsbury oh what a night this is i am going to see miss sylvia who has fainted and small blame and she made for the locked door an officer came after her go away shrieked deborah pushing him back i've got next to nothing on and my pretty is ill go away and do your business seeing she was distracted and hardly knew what she was saying the man drew back and deborah ran up the stairs to sylvia's room where she found the poor girl still unconscious meanwhile an inspector had arrived and one of the policemen was detailing all that occurred from the time Deborah had given the alarm at the window. The inspector listened quietly to everything, and then examined the body. Strangled with a copper wire, he said, looking up. Go for a doctor, one of you. It goes through the floor, he added, touching the wire, which still circled the throat, and must have been pulled from below. Examine the cellar. Even as he spoke, and while one zealous officer ran off for a medical man there was a grating sound and the trap-door was thrown open a policeman leaped into the shop and saluted when he saw his superior by this time the gas had been lighted we've broken down the back door sir said he the cellar door it was locked but not bolted nothing in the cellar everything in order but that wire he pointed to the means used for strangling dangling from the ceiling and a cross piece of wood is bound to the lower end who does the shop belong to aaron norman said the policeman whose beat it was he's a second-hand bookseller a quiet harmless timid sort of man any one about no sir i passed down gwynne street at about a quarter past twelve and all seemed safe when i came back later it might have been twenty minutes and more say twenty-five i saw the woman who was down here clinging to a window on the first floor and shouting murder i gave the summons sir and we broke open the door inspector prince laid down the dead man's head and rose to his feet with a nod i'll go upstairs and see the woman he said tell me when the doctor comes upstairs he examined the sitting-room and lighted the gas therein then he mounted another story after looking through the kitchen and dining-room in a bedroom he found an empty bed but heard someone talking in a room near at hand flinging open the door he heard a shriek and found himself confronted by deborah who had hastily flung on some clothes don't come in she cried extending her arm for i'm just getting miss sylvia round nonsense said the inspector and pushing her roughly aside he stepped into the room on the bed lay Sylvia apparently still unconscious but as the man looked at her she opened her eyes with a long sigh deborah put her arms round the girl and began to talk to her in an endearing way shortly Sylvia sat up bewildered what is it she asked then her eyes fell on the policeman oh where's my father he's dead pretty said deborah fondling her don't take on so yes i remember the body on the floor the serpent across the mouth oh oh and she fainted again there cried deborah with bitter triumph see what you've done come come said inspector prince though as gently as possible i'm in charge of this case tell me what has happened if you'd use your blessed eyes you'd see murder has happened said miss junk savagely let me attend to my pretty just at this moment a tall young man entered the room. It was the doctor. The policeman said you were up here, he said, in a pleasant voice. I've examined the body, Inspector. The man is quite dead and has been strangled, and in a cruel manner with the copper wire which has cut into the throat. To say nothing of this, and the doctor held out the brooch. That drat it, cried Deborah vigorously. It's the cause of it all, I do believe if I died in saying so, and she began to rub Sylvia's hands vigorously. Who is this young lady? asked the doctor. Another patient? And well she may be, said Miss Junk. Call yourself a doctor, and don't help me to bring her to. Do what you can, said Prince. And you, he added to Deborah, come down with me. I wish to ask you a few questions. Deborah was no fool, and saw that the inspector was determined to make her do what he wanted besides sylvia was in the hands of the doctor and deborah felt that he could do more than she to bring the poor girl to her senses after a few parting injunctions she left the room and went downstairs with the inspector the police had made no further discovery prince questioned not only the gwynne street policeman who had given his report but all others who had been in the vicinity but they could tell him nothing no one suspicious had been seen leaving gwynne street north or south so finding that he could learn nothing in this direction prince turned his attention to the servant now then what do you know he asked don't say anything likely to incriminate yourself me shouted deborah bouncing up with a fiery face don't you be taking away my character why i know no more who have done it than a babe unborn and that's stupid enough i hopes mr policeman ho oh, indeed and we pays our taxes to be insulted by you mr policeman she was very aggravating and many a man would have lost his temper but inspector prince was a quiet and self-controlled officer and he knew how to deal with this violent class of women he simply waited till deborah had exhausted herself and then gently asked her a few questions finding he was reasonable Deborah became reasonable on her part, and replied with great intelligence. In a few minutes the inspector, by handling her deftly, learned all that had taken place on that terrible night, from the time Sylvia had started up in bed at the sound of that far-distant cry of a soul in agony, and that, from what Miss Sylvia says, ended Deborah, was just before the church clock struck the hour of twelve. "'You came down a quarter of an hour later?' "'I did. "'When Miss Sylvia woke me,' said Deborah. "'She was frightened out of her seven senses "'and couldn't get up at once. "'Yes, it was about twenty minutes after the hour "'we come down to see it. "'And the woman, strong-nerved as she was, shuddered. "'Hm,' said the inspector. "'The assassin had time to escape.' "'Begging your pardon, sir, them or him or her or it, has murdered master was below in the cellar when we saw the corpse not that it was what you'd call a corpse then will you say precisely what you mean deborah did so and with such wealth of detail that even the hardened inspector felt the creeps down his official back there was something terribly merciless about the crime the man had been bound like a sheep for the slaughter his mouth had been sealed with a brooch so that he could not cry out, and then, in the sight of his child and servant, he had been slowly strangled by means of the copper wire which communicated with the cellar. One of the policemen brought up an auger which evidently had been used to bore the hole for the wire to pass through for the fresh sawdust was still in its whirls. Who does this belong to, Prince asked Deborah. It's Bart's said Deborah, staring. he was using it along with other tools to make some deal boxes for master who was going away i expect it was found in the cellar in the tool box for bart always brought it in tidy like after he had done his work in the yard weather being fine of course ended deborah sniffing where is this bart in bed like a decent man if he's to be my husband which he is said miss junk tartly i told one of them idle bobbies to go and fetch him from bloomsbury one has gone said another policeman bart tawsey isn't he mr bartholomew tawsey if you please said the servant grandly i only hope he'll be here soon to protect me you're quite safe said prince dryly whereat there was a smile on the faces of his underlings for deborah in her disordered dress and with swollen flushed excited face was not comely but what about this brooch you say is the cause of it all deborah dropped with an air of fatigue if you kill me i can't talk of it now she protested the brooch belonged to mr paul Beecot. and where is he in the charing cross hospital if you want to know and as he's engaged to my pretty you needn't think he had done it so there i'm accusing no one said the inspector grimly but we must get to the bottom of this horrible crime. Ah, well, you may call it that wailed well, Deborah, with that serping on his poor mouth and him wriggling like an eel to get free. But, Ark, there's my pretty a-callin'. And Miss Junk dashed headlong from the shop, shouting to comfort Sylvia as she went. Prince looked at the dead man and at the opal serpent, which he held in his hand. This at one end of the matter, and that at the other. What is the connecting link between this brooch and that corpse? End of chapter 7